Hello, hello, and welcome to The Art of Being You with me, Rachel Wortman. You guys, this podcast is all about learning to be who God created you to be, embracing that person, and ultimately living your best life with Jesus. We've got a lot of great content today, so let's get to it in The Art of Being You. Welcome to the podcast, everybody. I wanted to start by giving you guys a quick announcement about something incredibly thrilling that's happened in my life recently before we dive into today's content. And I hope you already know this, but if you don't know, I wrote and released a book. It actually came out on November 11th of this year in 2019. And this book is now available in ebook and paperback, available on Amazon. And here's what my book is called. You'll get out of it when you learn to love it. If you like this podcast, I'm telling you, you will love my book. This book is all about specific practical things you can do to go deeper in your relationship with Jesus. For anyone that's struggling with disappointments and doubts and challenges of your faith, that maybe you don't even want to acknowledge are there. This is a great book for you. But even if you're feeling like you're doing well with the Lord right now, there's good stuff in it to encourage you and challenge you in your journey and on your journey. So I would love it if you would go over to Amazon and check out my book, You'll Get Out of It When You Learn to Love It by Rachel Wartman. And listen, if you have read the book, it would mean so much to me if you would leave a review. Amazon helps books go up into more people's feed more people search when they have higher number of reviews. So it would help me so much, even if you've only read the first couple of chapters, even if you liked it a little bit but didn't have a chance to finish it, go ahead and leave me a review on there so that other people can help find it more. All right, so without further ado, today we're talking about something we all need in our lives. We are talking about boundaries. I think we all need them. I think some of us don't know that we need them. Some of us need more of them. Some of us might need less of them. But I want to explore why boundaries are important, especially around this time of year, around the holidays, but really around all parts of our life. And I love that Henry Cloud, if you don't know much about boundaries, he's written some excellent books about the topic, Dr. Henry Cloud. Um, And he's got great stuff on his Facebook page, too, if you want to follow him. He gets um, really insightful quotes and whatnot to put out there for you to think about. But I love his definition of boundaries, which is about what you are going to do, not how to control other people. Some of us think that boundaries are all about keeping others out. But boundaries are actually about defining what our behavior is going to be regardless of someone else. So obviously in healthy relationships, boundaries sort of form naturally. You don't have to spend much thought into them um, or put much thought into them. They just sort of unfold you know, on a very natural basis. But unfortunately, not every relationship in our life is healthy, especially if you're in ministry, but also if you just have a family. If you have a family that was um, not walking with Jesus when you were growing up, chances are you need boundaries in your life. I have had to learn this the hard way personally. And, you know, I'm the kind of person who, let me just be totally honest, 
if I sense or, you know, perceive that we're not going to get along, I'll probably just not continue in a relationship with you. Now I'm learning how to not do that. I'm growing in that, but that's sort of my MO. My MO is not to put up with much crap. Sorry to be crass with that, but you know, some families are good about sweeping things under the rug and I don't own any rugs in the proverbial mind space. I cannot handle when there's elephants in the room. It makes me feel like I'm going nuts and it makes me want to just blow up the situation at the expense of everyone. Now that's my younger former self. I have learned and am learning how to, um, deal with the things in the rug, one under the rug, you know, one at a time in a healthy way. But that's sort of my approach in general. So I've actually had to learn boundaries so that I could keep in relationships, so that I could stay in relationships that weren't as healthy as I wanted them to be, um, instead of just cutting everyone out of my life that wasn't actually working for me. And I think we go one of two ways. Some of us need boundaries because we just let people walk all over us, and that's our that's normal. You know, it's the sort of idea that um, we just let you do your thing, and then I'll just get over it, and it doesn't bother me. Um, but then there's the others of us who are like, wow, I'm not going to let you do that to me. And so we just cut relationship and everything in between. And all of us need boundaries. I remember sitting with a counselor uh, a couple years ago and he was using this example to me and he was talking about um, his own personal life and his relationship with his wife's family. Now, for some reason, our other, our spouse's family is often the hardest people for us to get to know, right? Why? Because to you, you did not grow up in their pattern. So things that are normal to their family are not normal to you, but it's normal to your spouse. So you have that dichotomy of you and your spouse are creating what works for you too, but then you're adding in what you have decided is normal. And when you grow up in a semi or, or truly dysfunctional environment, then you create and develop coping mechanisms of how you handle dysfunctional people. And in that, it's like second nature to you. So then you interject someone into that environment who has no coping skills for that particular type and flavor of dysfunction. And that's where you get so much much rub and rustle. This is why boundaries are so, so, so important. So back to this conversation with this counselor, he was telling me about how when he first got married, um, with his wife to his wife and they were, you know, in that process where he was getting to know her family after the wedding. And he said the first holiday together, they spent together, her family does a big breakfast. Everybody makes, you know, all the eggs and pancakes and breakfast meats and all that kind of stuff. And he's a coffee for breakfast kind of guy. And he said, I don't like eating breakfast when I do. It makes me feel terrible the rest of the day. But, you know, I did what everyone does and I was cordial and I ate the breakfast because I didn't want to rock the boat. And he said, I'll tell you the truth. I felt horrible that whole day and I regretted it. And I started thinking, am I going to be a fake all of my life? Or at some point, am I going to let these people know I just don't do breakfast? The second time they got together, he said, I said to them, hey guys, I don't really typically like breakfast. And he ate a good portion of it, but he was trying to be cordial and alert them. The third time they gathered together as a family, he actually called ahead. He called grandma, he called mother-in-law, and he said, hey, listen, you know, I know I've eaten food the last couple of times we're there, but I actually don't like breakfast, and I just wanted you to know, don't make extra on account of me. So much kindness in his heart. This was not a rude, you know, rash, sort of fly-off-the-handle statement. This was just a general, let me inform you about what I'm going to do. 
And he said, you'll never believe what happened that morning. I come down the stairs and there's a big plate laid out for me. And I, you know, pushed it aside and said, you know, remember I, I let you know, I wasn't going to be eating breakfast. And he said, they piled on a bunch of plate, a bunch of food onto my plate and I didn't need it. And he said for two or more years, they didn't talk to him. They didn't talk to him. That action was so offensive that he chose to be authentic to who he is, that it caused a rift in their family for a while. Eventually it was uh, mended. They were able to come to good terms. And I know you might be thinking that sounds so trivial over breakfast, but we all have a breakfast plate in our family dynamics, right? We all have something that is so offensive to us, even though to the outside, it's really petty. And this is why boundaries are important because boundaries are the idea of saying, listen, this is how I'm going to handle my heart. And I hope you will respect my choice in that. And if you don't, then this is sort of what's going to happen. In other words, I'm not giving you permission to run my life, to rule my life, to overstep my own personal boundaries. I'm not giving you permission to define for me what my nuclear family dynamic is going to be. Essentially, I'm asking you to give me permission to be myself while I'm giving you permission to be yourself. Unfortunately, boundaries don't feel like that. And typically when you need to put a boundary in place, the person you are setting the boundary you know, because of typically doesn't respond very well to that, but that doesn't mean you don't need it. So here's a key. When we talk about boundaries, here's a specific key for you. And it's this, it's not saying here's what you need to do to interact with me. Why? Because there is no control in the kingdom of God that's legal except for self-control. God does not control you. He doesn't want to control you. God has not given you permission to control other people. The only legal kingdom control is self-control. So when we set a boundary, we're not saying, listen, this is how you are obligated to interact with me. We're actually saying, this is what I'm going to do. For example, if we get into an argument about this, I'm going to remove myself because I don't want to say something hurtful. If we get into a disagreement, I'm going to stop the conversation until we can participate in a more cordial way because I don't want to be in a position where I'm being belittled or demeaned or yelled at, etc. Around the holidays is like this one time of year where we have this cultural expectation that we're supposed to throw all boundaries to the wind and just deal with it. I remember being in an environment once with um, some very extended family um, and there was like this awkward moment at the dinner, uh, which I'm sure everybody has had. I think I have more than my fair share, but I'm sure we all feel that way. And after this dinner was over, this particular family member left and the other family member that we were at their house, they sort of sighed collectively and they were like, okay, we've got that over with. Now we can move on. And I remember thinking how sad that we all just endured this holiday meal together and nobody really wanted to be here, but we did it out of sort of obligation. Now, this goes back to my nature as a person where all I could think about during that meal was just ratting everyone out and saying, you know what, he really doesn't like you. You know what, we all know you really don't like him, you know, and just making it have to be dealt with because the awkwardness of everybody pretending like they didn't have all this baggage was just too much for me. But I didn't grow up in that environment. And so I just had to sort of, you know, keep my mouth shut and respect the boundaries of this family and what they were doing and, and not do that. And I would never expose someone in that way 
but that doesn't mean I'm not thinking about it. And so in that moment, uh, I, I was thinking, okay, how do I want my kids to be? Well, I want my kids to grow up feeling the freedom to be themselves. Amen. I want my kids to grow up feeling the freedom to say, listen, I don't enjoy being around you for this reason or that reason. For example, at some of these family gatherings, like racist jokes are normal. And I remember saying to some of these family members, I said, listen, we're not going to come if this is going to be the culture, because I'm not going to subject my kids to thinking that demeaning someone else of their color, of their gender, of whatever, that that's okay. It's not okay. So this is not something we're going to do. What does that look like? That's my boundary of saying, if you're going to make these type of jokes, we're choosing not to be present. I'm not telling you, you can't make these jokes, although I should be saying that too. But I'm actually saying if this is the type of behavior you're going to do, then we will remove ourselves. Now, boundaries are kind of tricky in that because even in that, it sounds a little bit manipulative, right? It sounds a little bit like I'm trying to coerce you to change your behavior. But from the heart posture, what we're doing is saying, listen, you have the freedom to be who you want to be. And I also have that freedom. And I also have the freedom to say, I don't want to associate with someone who is demeaning in that way. So if you're going to continue to do that, if you're going to continue to see life through such a narrow perspective, then you're not really going to have access to my kids. There is no obligation, even biblically, that says that we have to go endure family events for the sake of keeping the peace. Now, we do have this scripture that tells us to honor our father and mother, and it's the first commandment Jesus says that actually comes with a promise of living a long life. But honor is not excusal. Honor is not the same thing as saying, you know, um, yes, you're a terrible person and you can just have complete access to me because now I'm obligated to honor you. No, no, no. We honor someone in the position of our heart. We recognize them. We respect them to the degree that they've earned it, right? We choose to see them as God sees them, but that does not mean they get direct access to us. Another counselor that a friend of mine has gone to puts it like this, that if you draw a circle, kind of like a bullseye, a small circle, and then a larger one, and then a larger one, this is the spheres of influence, or maybe I should say the spheres of access that people have to you. So in your inner circle, that would be you and your spouse. That would be the closest, most intimate relationship that you have. And in that sphere, you have these two people and they get to have full access to each other, right? That's a healthy marriage is, is I'm completely given to you. You're completely given to me. And then the next ring on that little circle of picture is your nuclear family. That's your spouse and your children. And then you go into your extended family, your, you know, your siblings, your parents, and then you go into the larger family with cousins, et cetera, and then friends. And then eventually you get to acquaintances and then strangers. And the analogy that this counselor used, which I thought was so brilliant, is that you would very rarely invite a stranger to come to Christmas morning with you because a a Christmas morning is sort of like a very intimate experience, right? It's typically for most people, it's a very family-centric personal experience. Now, I know a lot of people who actually open the doors to their home to anybody who needs a Christmas experience or a Thanksgiving experience, and I'm all about that. I'm just telling you about what the typical family does. And so he says, you would never take a stranger or even an acquaintance and put them in that setting because it's an awkward thing right? Their relationship has not come to a place where they can be, um, let their guard down and be like a family member in that sphere of influence. He said, but we do this with family all the time, just because a family member has a title of parent, but in relationship, they're actually more like an acquaintance. Then we feel obligated to give them access to us because the title that they have makes us think they have permission to the deepest places of our heart. 
But I'm just telling you today, that doesn't have to be the case. Now, here's the thing. When we have family members that have failed us, that have done large uh, issues, like I'm not talking about small spats over, you know, what type of pumpkin you use in your pumpkin puree for your pie. I'm talking about big things, challenging things, very hurtful things. We sometimes feel like the godly thing is to just brush over that and take that, you know, love covers a multitude of sins perspective and just say, listen, you know, it's on me. I've got to get over it. If I could just forgive, then, you know, we could be at peace. But you cannot rush reconciliation. Forgiveness and reconciliation are two completely different things. Why? Forgiveness is about you. It's about you making the choice to not let that issue, that hurt, that moment affect you. It's you saying, I'm going to forgive because I recognize that I have been forgiven. It is not you saying, and now you get re-entry into every area of my life. Forgiveness and reconciliation are two completely different things in the kingdom of God, but a lot of us think they're the same. So to forgive and forget, for example, well, if you're talking about a harmful person, you cannot forget. You can forgive. You should forgive. You should let them off the hook because they don't know better because they make bad choices in their life. But you shouldn't forget because until you've seen change in their life, you don't just open your home back up to an abuser. Do you know what I'm saying? So what does this look like? Well, it's like this. Reconciliation is only possible when true repentance is present. When true repentance is not just saying the words, I'm sorry, it's actually making actions towards a different outcome. It's not just saying, wow, I hear you saying you're angry and I'm sorry that this made you angry, but as if I had nothing to do with it, it's all on you. Repentance is saying, I need to see why this affected you and I'm going to make changes because I value who you are. So reconciliation becomes an option after repentance, not before. So when we're talking about boundaries, we're talking about dysfunctional families or difficult circumstances like that. I just want you to know you have permission to live your life. Let me just say it to you again. I mean, it sounds so simple, but we forget this. You have permission to live your life. You don't have to spend the holidays, for example, any way besides what you want to do. Now, yes, there may be consequences because of that, right? You may make a decision to say it's not healthy for us to go with this side of the family or this or whatnot, and there might be pushback on that. But that is your choice to be able to say, this is how I want to interact with the world, how I want to interact with my calendar, with these particular days, and everything that goes with that. So I just want to encourage you, the goal of relationships, with all of our relationships, whether it's family dynamic, friendships, whatever, The goal of our relationships is to have every person a part of that authentically themselves, that all parties involved are authentically themselves. And ideally, that's your best self with Jesus, right? That's the redeemed part of you, the the part of you that's actually walking with the Lord. But even if it's not that, if that's not a possibility for you today, the goal is that we can all be authentically ourselves or we can own our weaknesses. We can own up to our issues and have honest conversations. That's what boundaries allow us to do. We essentially remove ourselves from the power dynamic that says, I don't have a voice that I have to just go along with whatever you've decided because you're going to get angry because you're going to be manipulative because you're going to set my car on fire when I turn around or whatever. But we get to say, I'm taking my voice back and my hope in this relationship is that you will take your voice back as well. 
but it begins with you. So I'm going to leave you with this thought and it's this, what role are you playing with your family? So we all have roles, right? I'm not talking about bread rolls. I'm not talking about fat rolls. I'm talking about personality roles. In every family, you've got someone who's the peacekeeper. You've got the one who's afraid of the tension and is always trying to just say whatever is necessary just so that you can keep the peace, even if it's a lie. You've always got that person, especially if you've got more than three people present in the family, you've got that person like me, who's just the, the hardcore challenger about the truth, right? That we are not going to lie. We are going to be gut level honest, even to our own detriment. You've got the person who knows exactly the way things are supposed to be done the right way and the wrong way. And then you've got the person that's calling the shots. And so sometimes these are in different, you know, some of these are the same person. Sometimes they're dispersed around all different types of people. But what you'll find is that in every family, somebody is playing the role. They're playing a role of um, maybe it's the patriarch. Maybe it's the, the grandma who's holding everything together and everybody comes to the holiday just to see her because they know that's what makes her happy. She's sort of like the Don Corleone of the, you know, of the home. And then you've got the one who is the peacemaker, right? And, and everything in between. And here's my question to you. What role are you playing? And is that the role that you want to play? Is it the role that you want to play? There's a counseling term called triangulation, which is essentially talking to someone else about the third party and then trying to get that other person to interact with the third party so that you don't have to yourself. It never goes well, but we do this in families all the time, right? Mom or dad says, Hey, would you talk to so-and-so about this? Because, you know, essentially they don't want to talk to them because maybe there's friction in their relationship. So if that's your role, is that what you want to play? I know for me, there's been different seasons in my life where I've sort of awakened to the, the reality of the role that I've played at different parts. And sometimes I love that and I'm fine with that. And I embrace that. And other times I'm like, who signed me up for this? I never asked to be in this spot. So what do we do when that's the case? We speak up, we say something gently, hopefully, and we set some boundaries. We say, listen, I don't want to be the intermediary. I don't want to be the peacemaker, or I don't want to be the one who makes all the plans, or I don't want to be the one who chooses which brand of turkey or which brine we're putting on this year for Thanksgiving or whatever the case may be. But you have to understand before you can set really healthy boundaries, what role are you playing? And is that the role you want to play? And then give it some thought, maybe like a strategic chess player, and just start thinking through what do I need to do to adjust this so that I can truly be my authentic self and we can have a healthy dynamic to the best of our ability. So I hope this is helpful for you. If you've got questions about boundaries, I would encourage you to read Dr. Henry Cloud's book called Boundaries. You can shoot me a social media message on Instagram or Facebook at Rachel Wartman, or um, you know, you can leave a comment, I guess, on the Podbean page. And uh, I would love to help you in any way that I can. I'm not an expert, but I do have a lot of life experience with boundaries. And I just want to say last and certainly not least, you have permission to go after Jesus and the things he's telling you to do. And if that requires you setting boundaries, you are strong enough enough and powerful enough to do that. You're strong enough to withstand the backlash that may come from dysfunctional people who don't understand why you would want to be healthier. I wish that wasn't the case, but it's totally a thing. So that's all I've got for you today. Until next time, be blessed. So you've just listened to The Art of Being You with Rachel Wartman. I hope you enjoyed this episode of my podcast. And listen, it would mean the world to me if you would subscribe and rate or review this podcast on wherever you're listening from. Also, share it with a friend. Help me get the word out. Until next time, be blessed.